You're listening to the One Room with a View show with Christopher Preston and Dan Orton. Hello and welcome to the One Room with a View show with myself, Christopher Preston. Joining me is the Reverend of Reviews, is Mr. Dan Orton. Please. Uh, God bless you. Um, <laughs> good evening, Chris. How have you been? I have been well, Dan. Obviously, we've taken a very very small break. Uh, this is coming out a couple of days later than we anticipated. Yes, this week has been a bit hectic for us both. It's been hectic for us both. Uh, been I've been doing work experience with a group of seven-year-olds, Dan. Uh, <laughs> so so lot of highbrow intellectual film chat going on there with my... Um, I mean, I have to basically call them colleagues because I'm a work experience. <laughs> the staff don't see me as one of them. I'm certainly more one you're of just, the kids. You're not into certain I'm like Bugsy, limbo. Uh, no, certainly not. I'm like M- Bugsy Malone kind of character. You know, I just sit there and... Uh, I mean, they're running rings around I was going to say, how's it going? Is it, well, I mean, look at me. I'm half the man I was. <laughs> I'm like a borrower. You are, <laughs> so uh, we've managed yeah, to squeeze so you're a shell our... of a man <laughs> sat before me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's weird because it's, it's trying to get into the mindset of a seven-year-old. Like, the last time I spoke to a seven-year-old was when I was seven, and it's, it's difficult trying to find the reference point. That's where I'm struggling. Yeah, what, what, where is the common ground? I, I can't be bothered, to be honest with you. The common ground is that I speak to them and they look yeah. like I'm speaking Japanese and to any them. Any of you see Inception last night? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. We had a good chat about um, Inception and the uh, the Cortex uh, ramifications. Uh, watch out, listeners. That will be the next feature. Uh, well, what, 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 film the... reviews from seven-year-olds. Chris is going to go around with a little uh, dictaphone. And yeah, you love re- lifting that curtain, don't you? That, that's, the, that's the next four weeks you've just spunked <laughs> oh, away sorry, there. Sorry. Oh, Anyway, talking of spunking stuff away, what's coming up on the show tonight, Dan? I'm glad you are. <laughs> um, so, some film old, some film new this week. We are going to be looking at uh, Transcendence, the uh, new Johnny Depp-led, Wally Feister-directed Debut. Film. Debut, mm. yes. Um, uh, all about AI and... And the way that it's kind the of The perils thereof. Yeah. A uh, cautionary tale. Yes. Of sorts. Well, we'll, we'll call it that for now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With our eyebrows <laughs> firmly raised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and obviously, our something old is is Inception. Yeah, Christopher Nolan's 2010 um, dream romp. Yes, <laughs> I mean, it, I think it's described somewhere as a um, sci-fi uh, thriller heist yeah. horror film or something. It's got yeah. so many sort of, and that sounds um, about right as well. <laughs> you know, sort of sub. It has as, it has as many subtexts as it has dream layers, and I yeah. lost count really. By the end, how yes, many was not going necessarily on. a good thing, but we'll get on to that. We'll later. get on to it. Uh, also, coming up later on in the show, I have watched the first <laughs> Pokemon <laughs> film and I'm ready to report yes. back on that. Excellent. Um, you know that's going to be a highlight for me. Yes, yes. We're also going to uh, touch on um, the passing this week of the wonderful. Uh, Bob Hoskins. Yes, one of our um, mutual favourite actors. Who has sadly departed this mortal coil at the age of 71 yes. from pneumonia. Uh, and you are going to talk about the Sundance Festival. Yes, I am indeed. Yep. I went to Sundance on behalf of OneRoomWithAView.com uh, last week. So I've got a few tidbits just to give you from what I saw, Dan, across the board. Excellent. I can't wait to hear about that. I mean, I haven't, like, I haven't 
seen any of your reviews for anything. I've we try sort of... to kind of keep it radio silence, yes. which is difficult because we are, I mean, I believe it or we not. We are genuine friends. <laughs> yeah, we are actually friends. It's quite hard to not... <laughs> and, you know, it's our love of films that brought yeah. us together. And, you know, as a our, big our relationship has become like, about. do you remember those seven up programs where they followed those kids? Like, <laughs> when like from the age of seven, then 14, 21. That's kind of like mine and Dan's. It's like every two weeks, we just count the grey hairs that we've managed yeah, to... Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're still going, still, uh, still <laughs> shuffling along. Shall we crack on? Definitely, let's go. Some film old, some film new. Thank you, Chris. No worries. Recorded live as ever. As always. So, Transcendence and Inception. Yes. Shall we reiterate the links? Uh, yeah, well, go ahead. Yeah. I think we should. Transcendence is the directorial debut of Wally Feister, who is a long-term collaborator with Christopher Nolan. Yes, he's on a lot of Nolan stuff. As a cinematographer. As a cinematographer. And he won uh, the Academy Award for the cinematography he did for 2010's Inception. Mm. And I suppose, loosely, thematically, these films are kind of linked in terms of uh, technology, artificial intelligence... An impact on a on a kind of realistic world. Yes, as well as obviously the production team. Yes, some the, of the production team. Yeah, some of the production yeah. team. And I do believe Mr. Nolan executively produced this. Yeah, with, that's what uh, I mean. Yeah, and, and as you say, wife. it is very transcendence. There is something very Inception-y Yeah, about it. Uh, even the title isn't that just. I mean, I mean, apart from just being one word, obviously, but there's something about that. Mm. Um, transcendence is. It's a, a cousin. It's a They're cousin titles, uh, aren't they? If you haven't seen it, listeners, we don't know much about it. Transcendence in the film is this act of um, essentially being uploaded to a computer. Yeah. A human being is uploaded. Their, their, their entire memory bank, their, their thoughts, their feelings, their experiences are all uploaded onto a computer. Mm. And they become a, a, um, a self-aware yeah. artificial t- intelligence. Um, which in it's it's an interesting concept. It's an excellent and a, concept, and a, fa- yeah. a fascinating concept. Um, and I believe I, I can't. I, I stupidly didn't write down the name of the the screenwriter, mm. but it, his script was on the blacklist for some time. That's right. Uh, which which uh, any sort of film nuts amongst you will know is the is the sort of list of scripts, unproduced scripts that is published every year. Uh, they are the most sort of uh, respected, highly sought after, sort of most likely to be or hopefully to be produced uh, at some point. Um, Indeed. Yeah, uh, and obviously, as, as you may know, Inception is, it was, as, you, as you said earlier, a dream romp. It is, um, it, it is a, a heist film set around the idea of placing, well, st- not stealing people's, uh, sort of manipulating of people's minds. It's kind inside someone's mind via the dream almost, isn't yes. it? And, uh, the Inception and of the title is, is putting an idea in someone's head. That's right, yeah. Uh, Dom Cobb, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, is kind of the, uh, the well, supposedly, certainly the self-publicised best extractor <laughs> who, you know, yes. can go into someone's dreams and extract information. And so the Inception, mm. as Dan said, is, the, is inverting that and not yeah. trying to take something out of someone's dreams, but actually put something, put something in their in. dreams to influence. And there's also the invasion. And then, of course, in this reality, that is a commonplace... I mean, it's it's a it's a form of theft. Yeah, it's, it is not. It's, it's kind of alternate it's not a legal universe. practice. Both yeah. of them are. are I mean, they're both kind of modern alternate universes, aren't they? Where these practices are fairly yeah. common part. Um, which one do you think uh, achieves that? Uh, sort of pulls that off better. Inception, personally, yeah, I uh, go with that too. We should probably talk about Transcendence first. It, it, it's one of those films that I think that 
towards the end of last year, people were becoming very, very excited for it. Uh, Feister yes. is obviously an incredibly acclaimed and respected cinematographer. He's uh, he's kind of chummy with one of cinema's golden boys in filmmaking at the moment, Christopher Nolan. Uh, people are so looking forward to Interstellar. People, you know, kind of went wild for The Dark Knight Rises, Inception, yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman Begins, uh, The Dark Knight, obviously, which put him on the map. Uh, Memento, all of these different things. And and so I think people were really excited to see what his kind of foster son, if you want, <laughs> uh, uh, of directing. Yes, because uh, of course, uh, Nolan passed up the opportunity to direct this himself and yeah. said, no, Wally, this is for you. Yeah. you can. Ha- this will be perfect for your debut. And what a stitch-up. <laughs> what a stitch-up <laughs> that's turned out to be. Um, do, do you want to describe the plot of Transcendence? Trans- as, as sort of as, as spoiler-free as, as you spoiler, can? As spoiler-free as I can. Tra- Transcendence, I mean, Dan, I think, did a, a, a stellar job of... Uh, of saying what transcendence was and that is kind of the plot the plot is that uh, Johnny Depp plays uh, Will Caster is it something yes. like that he, he's a, a, a incredibly respected um I don't I mean, c- computer, computer scientist, scientist of some yeah. kind and his life work has basically been to create this transcendence program and uh, he is do- he's married to Rebecca Hall who is an equally acclaimed uh, scientist herself they're friends with uh, Paul Bettany's character uh, again this wonderfully kind of acclaimed science so they're very chummy they're this great little trio a great group um Johnny Depp's character uh, goes to talk about this and uh, in this kind of uh, seminar almost like a lecture theater and as he's coming out he's shot by a terrorist organization and the uh, and in order to save his life or to save some semblance of who this man is, they must invoke the transcendence protocol yes. or software. Yeah, somehow something. it is. Yeah, some somehow they've uh, <coughs> another scientist has managed to uh, achieve transcendence with a with monkey. A mon- with a monkey, I believe. And they, yeah, they then repeat what he did with with on a larger Caster. scale with Johnny Depp. Uh, yeah, and then and then and the it's, movie it's the ramifications ex- yes, of that, explores, isn't it? Explores that and and you know what happens when whether or is. not it's actually him. What happens when he's able to connect to the internet and basically achieve omnipotence? Exactly. Yes, and almost godlike. Now, uh, on figure. paper, this sounds like a wonderful movie, Dan. Absolutely, I would. You in know, terms I- of trailers, in terms of publicity, in terms of hype, I was extraordinarily excited for this film. Yeah, but something went wrong. Something has gone wrong along the way that means that Transcendence on Paper is an amazing movie and had all of the ingredients, a wonderful uh, leading man, a fantastic supporting actor and actress, a, uh, a very acclaimed uh, uh, well, man in the director's chair who's yes. beginning... I mean, what, what it, he it even had be. Morgan Freeman narrating parts of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what could have gone wrong? And I, and I tried to put my finger on it, and I'm just not sure. There's some very... Uh, bad dialogue. I think bad dialogue is probably its largest Achilles I, heel. I'll tell you what it was for me. Okay. Uh, parts of it were just boring. Yes. Boring uh, for long stretches. Mm. Nothing happened. When it did happen, when stuff was happening, it was incredibly exciting. Mm. But yeah, bo- boring sequences, uh, as, as you say, marred by uh, pretty dodgy dialogue. And, and, and some phoned-in performances as well, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and plot holes. Massive plot holes. Mm. Now, I mean, all, I'm all for suspending disbelief for films like this, but I think it's the duty of the filmmakers to at least have some respect for the for the laws they are creating, creating for yeah. these movies. I agree. Um, I won't go into. I don't want to go into them too much because uh, it'll get rather, uh, you know, the 
spoilerific if I start discussing them. But I, do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, yeah. yeah. And I and know that the listener, if they have seen Transcendence or will go and see Transcendence, yeah. they will also... So as I say, I think, I think if you were to sum up Transcendence, it would be an, an excellent idea in but a theory, wasted opportunity. But, but not, just not executed as perhaps as effectively as it could have been. It's interesting that you said that about the rules, because obviously rules are what makes these two films. There has to be rules, because they're creating yes. things that they're trying to hold but your I hand mean, through them. I mean, Inception is no better in that regard. Mm, well, if, you, if you begin to watch Inception a few times... How many times have you seen Inception now? Do you know? I, I don't think... I couldn't, I couldn't say how many. I've counted it a few times. I, I think, watched it, obviously, recently for this show, yes. and I, but I haven't seen it for a while before then. No, I think this is the fourth time I've seen yeah. it. And I won't lie to you, it degrades as a film. Every time you watch it, it seems to get worse in my opinion. It's not as smart as it wants you to think it is, is it? Well, th- this, this is my, big, <laughs> my biggest gripe. This is the thing that I always get between my teeth with Inception, is these people who... In, in, in the, uh, the, the glorious summer of 2010, Dan, <laughs> all those summers ago, when yeah. people went to go and see Inception and they came out of it and they went, you've got to go and see Inception. You know what? Christopher Nolan has made this blockbuster. Uh, blockbuster. Yeah. It's an incredibly it's intelligent... A, it's a you clever need to blockbuster. See at least, yeah. I think Commode described it saying, you know, that proof that blockbusters, blockbusters can be art as well. Yeah, and so that's I, the thing is that I think, have any of these people seen something like Primer, which sets so many rules and is such an intelligent and it's so complex that you genuinely need to see it probably about eight times to get it. Inception, I walked out of it, I knew what had happened. I didn't, <laughs> did not feel the need to go and see it a second time. I have since watched it and watched it again. But it's so interesting that you said about transcendence with the rules because the more you watch Inception, the more you realise that the first half is just a rule book. It's not a screenplay. It's not a film. It's just a rule book. We have to... F- Follow yes, the, these it's rules. It's a how-to video. <laughs> it's a how-to video before, and then the film kicks in about halfway through. Uh, but it is literally like, um, right, uh, Dom can't do this. Oh, and then Dom just flouts all I was the gonna rules. Say, I was going to say, yes, they set up the rule book, and we have to watch all this for an hour. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the, sec- the second hour and a half is taken up with. Uh, every one of those rules being consistently <laughs> repeatedly <Smashed>. broken <laughs> by Leo DiCaprio, <laughs> yeah. the Wolf of Wall Street himself. I know the cheeky bugger. Yeah, but. It's funny because when I first saw Inception, I think maybe I was kind of drawn in by the hype. And I do think that Inception rode the coattails of the Dark Knight a little. It came two years, you know, two summers later. Yes. People still in awe that Christopher Nolan... I was going to say, Nolan was flavour of the month. And as it was, it did seem on the surface of it to be... I mean, it's a very original idea. Again, something that looks really good on paper. But, and I think maybe because... By virtue of coming before Transcendence, we weren't to pick up on the perhaps poor execution of it. And I do think that it is that Nolan, the the the, the um, I mean the Harvey Dent. I believe in Harvey Harvey Dent has become. I believe in Christopher Nolan. People were so <laughs> hoping that he would deliver yes. that final Batman piece. Uh, Inception was the first thing he did since the Dark Knight. And I do think that we're going to find another kind of uh, like backwash of this in Interstellar, which comes out this November. Indeed. I wouldn't be surprised if, again, we have all of these Nolanites yeah. that come but out. But, I mean, and we can't forget with Inception that it won, what, uh, four Oscars, all in technical categories, yeah. and quite rightly deserved. It Obviously, as you mentioned already, Feister won for cinematography. Mm. And it's a beautiful um, film to watch. It, it looks stunning. Yeah, it, and, um, and to be fair to Transcendence, it that's it, it's a, a very beautiful film to look at, which I suppose only does unfortunately reaffirm the style over substance. Yes, uh, but argument was, against uh, it were transcendence failings because of the uh, uh, the lack of experience 
a lack of an experienced director. Possibly. Feister maybe out of his depth. Possibly. Um, or was it, I mean, as we've said, we both had issues with the with the dialogue mm. and, and some of the... And wild inconsistencies. Rebecca Hall's character, unfortunately, it, I, I mean, I'll talk about Rebecca Hall's character, but the way that you said that you would, um, what you would conclude Transcendence is, for me, Transcendence is the, one of the biggest wasted opportunities I've seen in a while. It had, uh, on paper, a strong female lead almost. You know, Rebecca Hall, I would say, she's yes. either an yeah. incredibly yeah. big supporting actress or even joint lead. She goes from basically various degrees of shouting. She's either shouting to save him, shouting um, to keep him going, shouting this, shouting <laughs> that. It's just various shrieks uh, in different tones, in different yeah. moods. I mean, and let us not forget, I mean, maybe it's the, uh, you could dismiss it as the actions of someone overcome with emotion, but, yeah. but wild changes in character. Yeah, wild changes, and from scene and a very to abrupt scene to scene, ones. yeah, um, with, with absolutely But I mean, no that thought. could be said of, I mean, Paul Bettany's character goes through the same thing. Um, for, oddly, for a film that feels very dull in places and lagging, mm. it certainly does skip through uh, points very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, Paul Bettany's character, Max, helps um, uh, Rebecca Hall's character with the transcendence and then suddenly wants to back out when he realises actually the whole... He, he immediately regrets what they've done. Mm. Um, then he leaves. But that's kind of then, within about eight seconds of him <laughs> pressing enter, isn't yes. it? Yes. Um, it, it, again, wild inconsistencies. He's um, hugely excited. He presses enter. Oh, no, he's full of regret and remorse. And it's... It, I was rolling my eyes so much I could barely keep them on the screen, Dan, honestly. <laughs> I was honestly, it was like I was having like a fit at pl in places. Yeah. I was just ro constantly rolling, groaning, come on, this is... It. And not enough, not enough explanation of things. Not, you know... Whereas I think there's an abundance of that in Inception, maybe too much. It Possibly, kind of does yes. take some of the magic out of Inception. That it goes to, it, 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 it does keep that uh, a veil of secrecy around the dream machine that it's created. But the rules are so tiresome. It's like kind of you know when um, uh, you used to do like a fun game at school, and the teacher would always suck all of the energy out of it <laughs> because they go right, you can play football, but you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Yeah. That for me. Watching Inception this time, it was almost interminable. The the rules and the the, yes. the kind of but then you but, I mean you wonder. I mean Nolan wrote Inception, didn't he? Mm. If I remember rightly, he, yeah, he I definitely he co wrote, wrote it, co wrote yeah. that. How is a man not seeing his own rule book being? I mean, what did he think was going to? At one point, he says, oh, you know, oh, you can only be woken from a dream." Uh, if you're in freefall or whatever it is, I can't yeah. remember the exact something um, like that. You're right, um, yeah. and then. But uh, but but later on in the film we find it's only free fall. Oh no, he solo wrote it. Sorry. Oh, so yeah. It's only free fall in certain situations of free fall. Yeah, if you're like, uh, if you're on the right level of dream, types or something. of anti gravity, you mm. know, defying gravity will wake you up. Not you know not, and it's just yeah, as you say, I think you described transcendence having wild inconsistencies. Mm. Inception two has wild inconsistencies, which you begin to notice the more times you watch it. So maybe it's a film everyone just should just watch once and be done with it. Yeah, but that's the thing is that it got such a. I think more people watched it more than once because of all these people that came out going, oh, you need to see it twice. You need to see it twice to understand it. You go watch it the second time and you go, actually, what I did really enjoy the first time has turned into a bit of a crap film. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk I mean, let's not forget the famous, obviously, why did he not just have Michael Caine bring the kids to him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I do believe that argument. Let's talk, before we um, wrap up on both yes, of them, yeah. let's talk technical, because I do think I interrupted you. It did win a lot of technical categories, it didn't won, it? Uh, sorry, yeah, as I was saying, it won cinematography. Mm. It won 
for sound editing and sound mixing, uh, and it also won for visual effects. There are some extraordinary so. visual effects in Inception. Mm. Extraordinary. Who can forget that hotel sequence? The uh, the anti the anti gravity action sequence. And, yeah, yeah and, wonderfully uh, directed as well. Mm. And obviously when. Uh, Ariadne is first in a dream and doesn't quite realise it, and uh, yes. the, 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 the and very physics of the world I mean, begins to change. The vast majority of it all done in camera, so to speak, which is the sort of technical term mm. for it not being green screen green or screen, CGI'd. Yeah. You know, that whole hotel sequence, they were on strings and pulleys and a rotating set, and, and the same with when uh, uh, Dom and Ariadne are walking through the street and they step upwards, you know, they obviously... They, I think that was green screened naturally, but there was that kind of. It's just very interesting to see that kind well, of. Well, Christopher that, Nolan that is a wonderful old-fashioned old uh, yeah, filmmaker in that way. Trying isn't to use it? practical effects uh, as best um, as best that, that can be, mm. um, transcendence a lot of a reliance on on I think flashy wizardry. Well, it's comp- it's uh, filmy fireworks. That's mm. transcendence is one big filmy firework. There's these great stars in it uh it's got the hype of being somewhat affiliated with uh with one of the flavor of the month filmmakers um some some really good to look at for the kind of couple of hours you're there but not much substance yeah. a big explosion and that's it yeah and the the and irony of more to the say. irony of inception is that as we've said it looks stunning but also on the other hand um i i, I find it hard to believe that a man of christopher nolan's vision managed to make the vision of someone's mind so uh, linear and and uh, it's almost stark an, and logical what inception is about isn't yeah, it know, because like, obviously a lot of the the gimmick of inception mm. certainly what they ran with on the posters a lot is the bending physics of the world yes so it's quite strange as you said about how linear things become everything everything seems incredibly Normal. I mean, you know, and, and I think people can think from their own dreams how dreams are so wildly and surreal. Uh, surreal. Uh, you know, how how a film about how a film set predominantly in dream worlds could be so <laughs> just vanilla. But uh, yeah, I think let, let's begin to wrap up then. Let's uh, let's Absolutely. do some Bob ratings. Okay. Do you want to go first? Yeah. What do you want me to do first? Transcendence. Yeah. Go I'll trans- go with two. I, uh, I I gave it two for the for the one room with a view dot com review. It's not a dreadful film. It's not a film where you're. I, I know uh, on this podcast I gave three hundred Rise of an Empire one because I did genuinely feel like this is it's just trash to sit through. <laughs> Whereas I didn't think this was trash. It, it, it's almost it's it's almost worse because it's disappointing rather than being horrendously bad. Yeah. And so uh, I couldn't give it more than two because it isn't an in- it isn't an enjoyable experience and it is such a wasted opportunity. But at the same time, it isn't kind of uh, like an ulcer on on um, on, <laughs> on the film schedule either. A high two then, e- or kind of a just a two on a the nose. Yeah, on no, the not not below two, but certainly no. not not above it. No. Okay. I think what about I, you? I would also give it two for um, the same kind of reasons. Well, yeah, for the reasons I've said, I just couldn't. I don't think I can give uh, a film that would that bored me in places. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a higher score. Yeah. You know, regardless of of the quality of the cast and the and the fascination of the of the concept, mm. which really was very intriguing. It was, and it, I mean, it covered so much ground. It was like f- uh, philosophy, theology, um, sociology. Yeah, technology, all the ologies, uh, but yeah, it just it just seemed to kind of trip over them 
rather than acknowledging them properly. Right, you can do Inception then, Dan. You start off. Bob rating. Oh, this is hard. I've this been, is incredibly difficult. I've been difficult. umming and ahhing about it all day. Shall which, we talk it out? I mean, I want to... I think I gave it four when it first came out. Yep. And I really would like to still give it four. It's, I'm, I can't decide between four In and summer three. In summer 2010, my then 20-year-old self would have given it four. But when I watched it, I watched it two nights ago for this show, and I came away thinking this is a three-star movie. Um, and so... I am going to go with three stars today purely because of my most recent watch. But if you haven't seen this film before, I, I genuinely think you would give it a four star. Yeah. But I All have right. seen it before. <laughs> We've watched it so many times that it has degraded. Maybe I lot. should give it. What would you have given it? Just just on what you would have seen the other day, would you have given it three then, but you would have given it four yeah, originally? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, what's, I think that's what's, what the, where the conflict lies. I, you know, I, right, Dan, let me propose something to you. Go we'll on. give it a three. We'll be harsh, but we'll <laughs> give it a three because that's what we, we did most recently. But with the caveat that if people hadn't seen it, they would probably give it a four. Yeah. Is that fair? I, I, part of me wonders whether I should, I should stay true and give it the, what I gave it the first time I ever saw it. You are the reverend of reviews. <laughs> you are a holy man. I'm going to balance out a bit and I'm going to still keep it as a four. Okay. Because, you know, I mean, a lot of films date and stuff. There. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, as I say, I, I'm going to give it three purely based on my most recent experience, but with the kind of little asterisks, this is the fourth time I've seen it. If you haven't seen it before, you'll be blown away by it. Pure yeah. and simple. I mean, because I can't get, I mean, you can't escape the fact that it is a real treat to look at mm. and watch. And it <coughs> and is the, an original idea. And the cast are lovely. And it is a wonderful original idea, as you say. Um, so. Quick, let's finish this before I regret yeah, my yeah, three. Get the next one. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dan, this is going to be the part of the show that we just want to say goodbye to one of our kind of mutual favorite actors. Yes. I, I'm. I'm saddened not only at, at Bob Hoskins' death, but also at the fact that we're doing this so soon mm. after we uh, had to record pay the... tribute to, to Philip Seymour Hoffman. It, mm. seemed, you know, it seems a hor- uh, horribly unfair that we once again lose. Well, that's the sadness, um, isn't it, of doing a podcast like this. You do have all of the, the, the crackle of debate with, with films like we just did, Transcendence and Inception, but then unfortunately... You do have people having to take stage left exits. Uh, yes, and I, indeed. And Bob obviously had to take his uh, last night at the time of recording, or yesterday mm. evening, I think it was. Um, but Bob Hoskins passed away uh, at age 71 of pneumonia. Yes. But an incredible um, actor. I mean, what a body of work yes. that he leaves behind. Um, and again, his sort of national treasure status uh, in reinforced by, I think, the sheer... <coughs> sorry, the sheer... Output of grief, public grief from 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 from, uh, from within the media and and on Twitter and other social media sites. It seems that everyone um, knew who Bob Hoskins was, um, and everyone had a favourite memory, which I thought was lovely. Like there's such a, a sadness to passing away because of the nature, the the you know the final nature of it. Yes. But then with things like Twitter, uh, although it does kind of. Uh, lend itself to narcissism, etc., etc. There is also that really lovely unifying nature of social media, where when when you know, a great actor like Bob Hoskins passes away, you have got that communal feel of everyone experiencing that grief and people wanting to kind of reminisce. It's almost like a wake 
uh, in, yes, in some yeah. ways where people will reminisce and with Bob Hoskins talk about their favourite films and favourite quotes and favourite roles and things mm. like that. I mean, it was so wonderful to see. I mean, obviously, uh, Bob Hoskins was trending on Twitter when it was announced. And it was of also course, wonderful yeah. to see that uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was also trending. And along with The Long Good Friday. Along with The Long Good Friday. Um, two of, I think, perhaps uh, his two of his um, most, most iconic, memorable yeah. and iconic performances uh, over the years. Um, Fun fact, actually, for this little bit of segment, The Long Good Friday is one of your father's top ten films, isn't it? It's his top one. It's the f- it's is it really favorite. number one? I think it's number one, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's the reason why I watched The Long Good Friday was because of Dan's dad. Yes. Um, who I believe might be listening. So uh, He probably is. Yeah. He insisted we we do something mm. properly, proper to respect, yeah. <laughs> to respect Bob. His favourite actor, I think. One of his favourite actors, at any rate. Um, but what you do think that... I mean, that it, 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 he... He has got such a, such a body of work. And, and you do think of The Long Good Friday. You do think of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We were joking earlier when we were talking about Bob Hoskins, the Super Mario Brothers film. Yes. <laughs> Hook. Hook. One, I mean, he's played Smee twice in, yeah. in two different productions. Uh, Hook, uh, for all its criticism, is one, of my, one yeah. of my favourite films. Such a great films. kids' film. Yeah, uh, family it's films. It's always Three hours long, isn't it? Or something. I don't know. It's it, absurdly long. It feels long. like when you used to watch it, you used to have to put a day aside <laughs> yeah. to watch Hook. I, mean, I never remember it being that long, but I think some I, kids I went to Chessington, <laughs> some went to Alton Towers, some watched Hook. Some watched Hook. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's wonderful. I, I don't think he's ever done anything, um, you know, bad. No, um, I mean, I, I, it, it's just. Even if he wasn't in films that, well, you know, Super Mario's Brothers was never going to win right, the Oscars. Sorry, yes, right, but at the same time, that. Bob, there was such a commitment of the man to a role. He, you never really felt like he was one of those actors who was just, as we, the term we used before, phoning his role in. He did seem to kind of turn up on the day, whatever it was, if it was uh, um, a, a London gangster in The Long Good Friday, if it yeah. was an Italian plumber in Super Mario Brothers, there was that commitment. It, he was an actor, a proper actor, you know. Yes, I think he really had a ball being an actor as well. Yeah. It was something he sort of just accidentally stumbled in. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, and just thought, well, I'll stay here. <laughs> yeah, well, they, stay they, they obviously, people loved him and he, yeah. and he, was, he found something he was very good at. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just so many, like he's done a lot, but I think he's got uh, just a, a select few really iconic roles, as we've said. Yeah. You know, Eddie Valiant um, and, and The Long Good Friday uh, and... Um, do, you have recently, a, do you have a favourite? Uh, do I have a favourite? This is interesting. Bob Hoskins I saw, film? I remember when he retired a couple of years ago because of uh, his Parkinson's diagnosis. That's right, and in I 2012, think, I believe um, that was, yeah. Someone said, someone asked, oh, uh, share your favourite Bob Hoskins moment. What's your favourite, his favourite um, screen presence? And a lot of people were saying, obviously, um, yeah, Long Good Friday, yeah. uh, Roger Rabbit, um, one of my favourites, um, which is little known, but he guest starred an episode of Frasier. Oh, really? <laughs> as Frasier's um, old gym teacher. <laughs> um, and the, the premise of the episode is that he's dating a gym teacher. Uh, and um, he sees her, he goes to visit her in the school, and he sees her having a go at some poor girl who isn't very athletic. And he gets this awful flashback to when he was a kid. <laughs> and his coach, Fuller, played by Bob Hoskins, is this, he's, he's there in this sort of... Grey tracksuit, baseball cap, and a cigar sting out of his mouth, <laughs> and he's just yelling at Fra- this uh, Fraser as a boy to climb further up the the rope, and he can't do it. And, he's just, and then for the rest of the episode, he keeps picturing Bob Hoskins as his girlfriend, 
<laughs> so Bob Hoskins plays the girlfriend throughout the episode. Bob coming, Hoskins. Coming into the cafe, saying, all right, sweetie, kissing Fraser on the cheek. It's just a wonderful episode um, and a wonderful performance from him. Uh, like something that, quite unexpected. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I really like that's one of my fondest memories. Obviously, I, I, obviously to go along with all the other stuff, but yeah. I remember that, that it's uh, an unusual one that I think people pass over. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't, I haven't seen that no. episode, so yeah, I'll have to it's dig that out, good. no doubt. He also played Churchill once in a, in a little. That doesn't surprise film. me. He's um, he is that kind of Brit. He is the bulldog breed. Uh, yes. Bob Hoskins, along with like Ray, he's like a Ray Winston type, you know, the, yeah. the, the, a, a British geezer kind I of character. I think he once said that uh, a gangster. He met a gangster once, and the guy and the gangster said, "You know, you know what, Bob? It's so good to see one of our own doing so well." <laughs> like he thought he was, he thought he'd been a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. What, do you think the Long Good Friday was a documentary? I don't know. You know, like, you know like when people in um, the airport and th- those reality TV programs yeah. and they make a career <laughs> out of it, that it, it? Bob Hoskins was the Long Good Friday. That's yeah, how he that's, made his yeah. name. Uh, that taxi at the end, uh, sorry, the car at the end with Pierce Brosnan is just a cab to Pinewood. <laughs> going, well done, Bob. Yeah. We've got Roger Rabbit. We've got Jessica Rabbit. We need you. We need you. Yeah. <laughs> we have Dustin Hoffman as Captain Hook waiting for you and an eight-hour film being ready to be made. Yeah. But, but no, yeah. wonderful, as you say, a proper, a, a, proper, um, a proper geezer. I actually, I found some quotes. Go on. <laughs> I thought I might share, which, which link quite nicely to what you just said. Um... I mean, uh, he, um, he said on, on getting into the becoming an actor, he said, I, I, can't, I, I was, I'm not going to be able to... <laughs> you're not, not going to affect the accent. I'm not going to affect the accent. Because yeah. a gangster I, came over I to you once after this podcast, yeah. didn't they, and said it was so nice to hear... I don't want to insult the man. All right, Dan. <laughs> I don't want to insult the man by trying to... Im- no. <laughs> I mean, I think it's more with your plummy accent mm. to be... Uh, if doing... we had my dad here. Yeah. He, I mean, your, uh, your dad, what I think, must have been a stunt voice... <laughs> Yeah, could double <laughs> for Bob Some kids. voice double. Um, so he said, I came into this business uneducated, dyslexic, five foot six, pubic, with a face like a squashed cabbage. <laughs> and they welcomed me with open arms. Um, and he said, once said about method acting, <laughs> that's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> going, <laughs> yeah. going for all this cobblers, living it out and all that, bollocks, total cobblers. <laughs> Rest in peace, Bob Hoskins. <laughs> God bless you. Okay, listeners, just before we start this next feature, Chris has revealed to me... Cobbled together. <laughs> is re- That's <laughs> a phrase that we use too much on this show, isn't it? Cobbled, Cobbled yeah, together. Dangerously too much. Yeah. Um, so here, here's his um, here's his jingle for this bit. Sun dancing in the street. You didn't see the dance, actually. Um, well, you can. Dan, I can. But only uh, twice now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only bit we rehearsed. But yeah, this is the se- the, the, the sequence, <laughs> the segment. The sequence that... to what? Oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> come in, dancers. No, and um, this is this is the segment where I'm going to tell Dan. I went to uh, Sundance London. Yes, you on did. On behalf of the blog, one room with a view. You and uh, Tom and Tom Bond Cameron. and Cameron Ward. The yes, three amigos. The three amigos of. Uh, of the Sundance London community. Yeah, uh, Cameron Ward, I should say, I'm going to give him a massive shout-out, Dan. I'm not sure if he'll be listening, but he actually saw every film that Sundance London that's, had to that's offer. That's dedication. He didn't have to, did he? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I, I mean, say, he was encouraged I'm, not to. I always to. thought that the, po- the point of three of you going was that you could split the load. <laughs> yeah, but Cameron was <laughs> did determined. Did not get that memo? <laughs> he was there, rain or shine. You know, uh, I well, think the uh, film started at 9am, finished at 6pm. He was there for three days for your pleasure. 
Good, good. I mean you, Dan Orton. <laughs> Not the listener. <laughs> Not the listener for, for me. So. so how do you want to do this then? Well, I'm... I'm I'm curious to know because I said at the beginning of the show I've not read any of the all guys reviews yeah. from the uh, from the festival. Mm. So I'd be curious to hear what you thought were were the the best f- films on offer, what perhaps were the uh, were the least what was uh what perhaps you wouldn't write home about. Um, yeah. Uh, and and so on, any sort of standout moments? Just a, a general, I guess, overview yeah. of how it all went from your perspective. Well, if you want kind of um slightly more in-depth reviews, I I I I'll uh redirect people to the to the blog Every, everything's been reviewed by myself Cameron or Tom some great reviews on there but yeah I'll give you an overview for people who don't know Sundance London I think it was its third year this year mm. and it's the London uh, the highlights of the Sundance Festival from the States and it comes and brings a selection of what they think were the more standout films and they bring them to the O2 uh, yeah. in Greenwich uh, and play them over a, a few days so we we uh, went as press to that uh, there wasn't the very best I won't lie to you. I don't think <laughs> I, I, the flagship film was Frank, which I actually really enjoyed. But I know it got a bit of a mixed reaction when it um, kind of that's the Michael Fassbender, the one, Michael Fassbender it? film, which I believe comes out uh, next week at the right, time of, right. of, of, of listening, of time of recording. Uh, yes, yeah, the Michael Fassbender, Donald Gleeson, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, film. Uh, but that, that that was kind of like their centerpiece of of the festival, which I actually really enjoyed, and I would encourage you to go and see it. It's it, it's not I, quite. I'm not, curious. It's I, not I, perfect, but it is fun, and it's very different to to things that Michael Fassbender. I mean, he spends ninety five percent of the film in a paper mache um, Frank uh, side bottom mask, uh, and it's yes, about I, experimental yeah. musicians and things like that. So it's <laughs> I mean, it sounds strange. incredibly interesting. It's well well worth a watch, and I do hope that we get to discuss that at some point. Um, highlights. Well, actually, I'll tell you the I'll tell you the worst film. There is a standout worst film. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, and that was Under the Electric Sky, and it was a uh, a three D documentary. I mean, you already know my feelings, Dan. <laughs> so, uh, documentary in three D about the um, Electric Daisy Carnival, which is the largest music festival in North America. And it's a festival uh, that brings ravers and electronic dance music all together. So, you know, like the Fatboy Slim, DJ Tiesto. Right up your street, then. I mean, you can imagine me, front row. Uh, The 3D was abysmal. I mean, it it wasn't basically in 3D. There was a great opening segment. And I thought, you know what? This might be one of those films that makes me rethink my stance. They basically abandoned 3D after that. Right. If only they'd known. If only they'd known. <laughs> if only they'd known, they could have changed heard your that, that podcast, Dan. <laughs> but it's calling it a documentary is a travesty because it isn't one. It's one of these. It's basically a, a concert movie. You know, like Justin Bieber brought out his yeah, One yeah, Direction. Yeah. They all bring out these concert movies, but this kind of masquerades as a documentary, and it's annoying because you feel like you're gonna go behind the scenes of a culture that I mean, I know nothing about it. I, if people don't know me, I imagine the polar opposite of a raver. No, in fact, imagine the polar opposite of a raver. You probably found Dan Alton. <laughs> T- turn that down a little bit, and then you've got me uh, standing next to him <laughs> in, in my waterproof Mac. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it, 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 sharing the, the, the earmuffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turn it down. Uh, but it, it pretends it's going to be this documentary, and you feel like, wow, I'm going to see. What, what brings people to this, why it's so celebrated in this community, uh, why, why people see it as such an outlet. And it, and it draws you in because it says uh, there's a, a guy, a disabled guy uh, with scoliosis who goes in his wheelchair um, 
there's people who've had anxiety issues. There's a group of friends whose friend died of an overdose, but they're going to uh, the, uh, the concert to commemorate him. There's all of these different stories, but it ends up being just awful fan worshipping of the genre. And all it does right. is it perpetuates a certain image and it it um, puts these DJs uh, on a pedestal and it doesn't look at every angle, which I just felt was a, a massive um massive wasted opportunity and I, I was hoping it would be like a Louis Theroux-esque documentary where someone who wasn't involved in the culture would kind yeah. of be installed within it but unfortunately it's just kind of made by fans essentially for fans so unless you're kind of within that culture I, I'd give that a mix uh, sorry a miss sorry mm. um standouts one of the surprising standouts Dan is uh and the new Ryan Reynolds film called The Voices oh this is um his cat and dog speak to him, don't they? That's right, yeah. yeah. He plays, Gemma Arterton is in it. Gemma Arterton is in it. Uh, Anna Kendrick is in it as well. Uh, it's one of those films that, I mean, I, I, I won't lie to you, I'm not a huge fan of Ryan Reynolds, but he is brilliant in this film. <laughs> and this film is a great film to go and see. Uh, I saw it with Cameron. We both came out of it really... It's interesting because I've read some fairly negative stuff around really? it from, from the States at any rate. Oh, okay then. Well, I, d- I actually don't know what the overall reaction was. I, I just know what me and Cameron thought of it and we came out. And we actually saw it with the movie jerk, uh, another blog. And oh, yes. he, he uh, I know he's kind of a friend of One Room of the View and he really enjoyed it as well. But the premise of that, very quickly, because we've got to rush through this, um, he plays a... Uh, uh, a mentally ill man yeah. who uh, b- uh, who stops taking his his uh, pills that he has to take as a condition of being out of the facility he was in, and uh, one of the offshoots of that is that his cat and dog begin to talk to him, yep. and they're trying to influence him in various ways. And uh, Cameron concluded it best. It's like a Pushing Daisies episode starring Norman Bates. <laughs> and if that doesn't make you want to go and see it, I don't know what will. But yeah, certainly I'll, I'll worth be there on opening day. You'll be there opening day. Fruitvale Station is another one that I'd implore you to see, which is the new Michael B. Jordan film about the uh, uh, tragic uh, shooting of a, of a young black man on Fruitvale Station uh, on New Year's Day 2009, I believe. Right. Uh, really wonderful film. Um, ex- uh, really excellently acted. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're the kind of ones that stand out. Oh, the one I love might be, uh, that was Cameron's favourite. It's certainly one of my favourites. It's a, kind of a sci-fi romantic comedy uh, starring, oh, I can't remember her name, Dan. You'll have to help. Uh, Elizabeth uh, from Mad Men. Uh, no. You know what I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. Peggy from Mad Moss, Men. Moss, Elizabeth Moss. That's it, Elizabeth Moss. Well done. And uh, Mark Duplass. Uh, and it's really good. It's actually very funny and just a, you know, we were talking about Inception being an original idea, and you're yeah. like, oh, I really like that. This is a very original idea and played very well. So they're okay. the films I would definitely go and see. Electric Sky, avoid, <laughs> avoid like the plague. Uh, right, roger that. Do you want to do the jingle one more time? <laughs> jingle uh, Yes, thank you for listening to Sun Dancing in the Street. Same time next year. <laughs> Chris. Challenge. Dan. <laughs> oh, that's the last time I'll let you do a jingle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you, I, I got the dancing girls in. I bet people, if they were listening to this podcast, they were really pumped down with the yeah. last one. Well, wait till they hear what I have to say about Pokemon. This <laughs> is a long time coming. I am so excited for this. Dan, mm. I want you to tell them what your challenge was. This is only part one of the challenge, isn't uh, part it? Part one of three. Yeah, part one of three. Um, yeah, <laughs> In so what has become <laughs> a saga. If you've missed, 
you've missed previous episodes of the podcast, uh, let me allow me to fill you in. Mm. So uh, we do a semi-regular uh, segment called Challenge Chris, Challenge Dan, yeah. whereby one of us is challenged to do something that they really don't want to do mm. uh, in, in the context of, of the film world. Uh, Chris um, recently had to go and watch um, Nymphomaniacs, part one and two, in yes. one go by himself. Mm. Uh, and uh, further, for a few a couple of years ago when we were doing this at uni, you went and saw The, toy the Twilight yeah. Saga, all, all four films. So I was owed one. Which is why I look at this in the same way Old Boy was created, one of those kind of <laughs> festering revenge tales. Yeah, uh, but I didn't actually come no, up with Chris this has challenge. Been, Chris has been looking to get me back for, for both those challenges uh, for quite some time mm. um, uh, and found his opportunity uh, and his fellow <laughs> comrade-in-arms, my, my dad. Uh, Is who, Bob Hoskins sound alike? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, um, uh, the illustrious John Orton. Who, uh, Esquire. Esquire. <laughs> Who decided that I uh, I should have to watch the Pokemon films, which I had to I, I forced him to watch when I was a child, um, as I was a a big fan of Pokemon at the time, as I think most we all were boys Dan. probably were yeah uh, we boys all and girls yeah. uh, children of all ages and it, it was a it was a cultural phenomenon wasn't it? it sort of came over from Japan and was everywhere cards yeah. games like encephalitis <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that yes. Um, but that, um, moving on, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no one's quite sure what it's called. Some, either it's Pokemon the first movie, or it's Pokemon, Pokemon the movie. Mewtwo versus Mew, or okay. it's Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back. Right. Even though I don't know what, quite what he's striking back against. Because no, with this, like, this being the very first it's, it's the Pokemon first film, film and the first time he appears. Um, right, Dan, give us a very very brief overview and plot right, I because some, I know I, that I wrote this... some bullet points down. Yeah, so I thought on. I'd forget. Okay, so basically. Um, uh, some scientists in the world of Pokemon create Mewtwo from the DNA of Mew, who is another Pokemon and, and a rare legendary Pokemon. Um, I'm not going to go into the lore of it all now. <laughs> that's another podcast. Uh, that's another podcast entirely. We'll charge um, for that one, though. Uh, f- basically, f- f- uh, it's a sort of Frankenstein's monster type thing. Uh, I think, or you know, science going wrong, people mm. playing God, never works out. It's the transcendence of the Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's, let's call it that. Um, I think I think Feister was the cinematographer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Christopher Nolan passed on it yeah. for Batman Begins. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Mewtwo is made. He is immediately um, uh, resentful of his existence and his creation from humans, and wonders why he is in such a why he is uh, in a lower position to them. Why is he? Um, inferior to humans as a Pokemon by yeah. by virtue of being a Pokemon. So actually, it's actually quite, it's quite, some quite deep, sophisticated, deep, sophisticated thoughts. Which, yeah. as an eight year old, when I watched this, probably went way over my head. <laughs> I imagine uh, it didn't with you. <laughs> I imagine you were sat there. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote an essay on it. Um, <laughs> the, the, yes, as an allegory for segregation in in <laughs> South Africa. I don't know. Um, so he, he thank he's you, made, Mandela. <laughs> <laughs> he's made. He wreaks havoc on his human creators. He then decides um, he's going to become. He's going to. Def- he's going to defeat humanity. He's going to rule the world. Uh, you know, usual villain backstory. Yeah. Uh, we we then are introduced, obviously, uh, to Ash and Misty and Brock, the which people will the, know from the animated from series, the, from the TV series, uh, and and obviously uh, fan favorite Pikachu. Yep. They are invited by Mewtwo. Uh, or as he is at this point, the mysterious Pokemon Master, 
to his mysterious Pokemon Master lair on an island mm. off of the coast of the mainland, which they are conveniently close to <laughs> yeah. at the time. Um, they and a bunch of other Pokemon trainers, all kids, I should point out, yeah. are invited to this island to face Mewtwo. Uh, Team Rocket. With no parental supervision, though? No, no, just their Pokemon. Oh, okay, sure. Um, although I'm not quite sure what the ages of the people are. I've never, no, never quite sure how old Ash was supposed to be. And uh, Anyway, they go to his castle. Um, he reveals himself. There's a lot of, like, how can a Pokemon be a Pokemon master? That doesn't make any sense. Because obviously you begin to realise, actually, that the Pokemon are all, in, all enslaved all by enslaved, Pokemon trainers. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then forced well, to fight this, for this, their entertainment. This film was one of the guiding influences in 12 Years a Slave, Dan. Mm. Yeah, yes. I, that, I, uh, but we can never confirm or deny. <laughs> no, no, I think Steve McQueen mentioned that in the Oscars. I, w- I want to thank all the 65 million people still enslaved in the world. Oh, and Pokemon and, Mewtwo yeah. versus Mew. <laughs> um, there's lots of fighting. There's lots of du- Pokemon duels to keep the the kids happy. Yeah. Um, and then Mewtwo fights Mew. Mew comes along and, and oh, no. presumably is against the whole idea there's a big presumably <laughs> again you know uh, by by his by his attitude of the whole thing um i should mention there are clones involved mewtwo is also cloning the pokemon wow uh, he, his pokemon are all clones of the other trainers pokemon and they are they best the ordinary pokemon um can mewtwo Mew- speak yes he can telepathically mm. right uh, yeah and he is the only pokemon that can do that mm. except for the pokemon meowth Okay. Who is Team Rocket's sidekick. Yeah, he's like their mascot. And he, almost, and he can he? talk. If I remember and he correctly. can talk English perfectly. Yeah. Which uh, I've never understood. Well, he's gone on to sp- uh, to appear in The Voices with uh, Ryan Reynolds. He's, mm. he's, so carving, he's carving quite the career for himself. <laughs> I'm glad to see that. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't so sure when I watched this, this his 1998 offering. <laughs> Good to see he's doing well for himself. Yeah, he is, yeah. <laughs> Basically, so Mew and Mutual are fighting. Ash steps in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm dissolving over here. Go on. Ash, Ash steps in to stop the bits, you know, to stop the mindless fighting. Yeah. He is then ex- inexplicably turned to stone by Mewtwo's <laughs> psychic powers. Okay. Um, this film sounds genius, and Dan. Then, and then Pikachu and all the other Pokemon start crying. Right. And their tears heal Ash, <laughs> uh, and he's human again. And then Mewtwo decides, oh, actually, maybe I was in the wrong the whole time, <laughs> and wipes everyone's memories. <laughs> and that's the end of the film. So, the, so it's the film, the film equivalent of a date rape uh, to conclude. <laughs> it may as well not have happened. <laughs> All right, give, uh, give us your review of this then. Um, like... so as I say, there were some funny. There was, some, there was a couple of moments that made me laugh, um, mainly for uh, maybe nostalgia's sake. And I will say that a lot of this is uh, like heavily influenced by yeah. nostalgia. Like I don't think I can ever hate it as much as or dislike it as much as my father will clearly hope I do. Yeah. because nostalgia plays a big part. Because you, you know, must have been like nine, maybe yeah, when you saw you know, this. I was young. Yeah. I was a huge fan of Pokemon. Watching it again, it just it, it, it brought back a lot of the memories of that. Um, you know, I, I had all the Game Boy games. Um, I mean, Pokemon was the reason I got a Game Boy. I remember saving up for a Game Boy. Yeah, with Pokemon Red, maybe or Pokemon Blue. I missed the boat on Red and Blue. Oh no! Uh, but my two best friends had each one. Yeah, uh, and then I was, and then I saved up for a Game Boy Color and got Yellow. Oh, okay, um, that so was I a compl- cool one. So I completed the set. Yeah. And they that's... didn't have Yellow either, so I was like, well, hey. So you were like the Avengers of the Pokemon uh, Something world, like that. Three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then obviously then, and then they brought out um, Silver and, and Silver. Stuff, didn't and, they? Yeah. I think so they still bring them out to the, this yeah, day. So, yeah, so I mean, I'm much more advanced pieces of kit oh, of than course, a Game Boy yeah. Color. But um, I think if I was, if I were my dad, 10. <laughs> he would have taken you to the orphanage 10, straight afterwards. 10 plus years ago. Um <laughs> Watching just imagine that, that. Just, just like the uh, the adoption centres booming with trade <laughs> Pokemon movie. I can't look at yeah, him in the same yeah. way. 
We got another one, Linda. <laughs> and this one's got a Game Boy Color. <laughs> um, yeah, if I were my dad in that position, I can understand why he would... Sorry, I'm just <laughs> throwing my phone on the floor. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, I would understand his, uh, his distaste and why it would have been absolute hell to have mm. to watch that. Because it, it is just... Yeah, it's just, it's just colours. It's just and, a, an, and, a colourful nightmare, And isn't things it? happening, and as I say, the majority of it is made up of the the Pokemon fighting and stuff. So it's a bit like... I mean, it's just the game and, and the card game put into... Slapped up on uh, screen. Animated for, for viewers. And Can I pin you down for a Bob rating? Is that <laughs> hard? Is that easy? I think as, as a 23-year-old, I'm going to have to give it, like... Two, yeah, or, or and is that with a, a one, tr- uh, an Easter egg um, of nostalgia? No, no, no. I think no. That's if I were completely objectively like this is. I mean, it's a very weird. As I say, despite as we've mentioned, these sort of very deep and sophisticated yeah. um, themes. It's also you have kind of in a strange way inflamed me to want to go and rewatch <laughs> it now, though. Bizarrely, um, well, if, if I can challenge Chris Challenge <laughs> And we can look forward uh, yeah, to so you seeing... I think if I was a kid and yeah. I was a big fan of Pokemon, this would be brilliant. Ideal, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it does, what it, it does what it was supposed to do, which was basically it was a big big advert for Pokemon. The card so you're game. 33% of your way through your challenge, Dan. What can we look forward to next? It's Pokemon... Pokemon 2000. 2000. Okay. Um, which I think came out in 2001, so... <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we need to say about that one. Yeah. Right. Housekeeping, Dan. Yes, the end of the show once more. Yep. Sadly. Yeah, we're just putting this. a few licks of paint on before we mm. strip it next <laughs> next <laughs> podcast. So, um, the big news this week, I think the big movie news has dominated us has for the last couple of days. all the others, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, this is why we've practically moved the podcast <laughs> around this news. Yeah, is that um, the Star Wars cast has been announced. Yeah. Long thought to be... Uh, to be being announced on May the 4th. Of course. For obvious reasons. May the 4th be with you. Um, it was moved to uh, a couple of days ago um, by, by on the day of recording. Uh, and wow. An incredible cast. Because I yeah. text Dan you, saying... You texted me just saying, have you heard the Star Wars news? Yeah. And I didn't... I mean, I... Your message you... back was very nonchalant, so I thought he, he couldn't have heard. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I obviously hadn't. I replied with, uh, possibly, I'm not sure. What yeah. Is... Yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the biggest movie news of the year. I, mean, I thought you were referring to the announcement that there was a rumour that Oscar Isaac was going to be in it. Yeah. Which was the, lone, it was the last thing that I had heard, so I had and no idea. I think idea. that came out of the morning. I tell you what, they make before. all these big announcements for things whilst I'm, like, on the underground. <laughs> <laughs> just as you, they just know you just swipe yeah. your oyster card, and it just there's a bell that rings in Universal yeah. or somewhere. Yeah. Quick, get it, get it on, get it out, get it out there. But an incredible cast, Dan. I, I mean, know, I'm an so excited. Cast, amazing, couldn't have been happier. There isn't a bad name on there. No, and very, it's so interesting. Like, I mean, obviously, we're so pleased to see the uh, the old trio back. Yeah, um, and and and, the, you know, and, and Peter Mayhew, Anthony Daniels, and Kenny Baker. Uh, all returning as as the sort of iconic characters, yeah. and maybe hopefully a few more. Um, they I said mean, there are a few announcements I mean, left to make. Yeah, will Billy D. Williams make an appearance? Well, I mean that that was one of the biggest. Whilst everyone else was talking about Adam Driver's haircut in the picture, <laughs> people were like, "Where's Billy? Where's yeah. Billy D?" Um, but also uh, Andy Circus. That's intriguing. I mean, is, will he be uh, appearing in person, or will he be almost certainly not? <laughs> will he be you know, mo-capping a character? Yeah. Who knows? Well, I think uh, so. And Donald Gleeson, another kind of. I mean, that's very left field. No one, I think, was expecting that. Um, 
Well, it's funny because the ones that people are really putting a lot of emphasis on uh, don't seem to be anywhere at the moment, or at least not yet. Apparently, there is still one big female character yet to be cast. Mm. I'm glad of that because it seemed for it seemed. I mean, that was the one thing I would say about this is that they've got. <laughs> well, there's two women in. They've the got picture. Carrie Fisher uh, and, and, and and that new and woman who's going to be in the Inbetweeners too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who quite possibly might just be playing the love interest again. Almost certainly. Um, which seems a shame. So it's like, well, you know, um, hasn't moved on that much. But hopefully but the, yes, another, the cries of misogyny, etc., will be quelled. There are still some announcements mm. in, in... I mean, I'm hoping privately that she will be the main hero. Like, <laughs> well, that's <laughs> well, the thing. Is we don't know, do we? we? We've got absolutely... Uh, we haven't been given any mm. more information at the moment, so you could quite possibly be correct yeah. there. And hopefully Samuel L. Jackson... Mace Windu survived his fall <laughs> and will turn up one-handed. Well, Samuel L. Jackson is, is doing all he can. I think he thinks he's in it anyway. Yeah. He'll turn up on the day, the first day of... Uh, With, an <laughs> <laughs> With an eye photography. With an eye patch. Yeah. Um, and his lightsaber. But <laughs> there, I mean, we've got John Boyega, who uh, I suppose made his bones in Attack the Block. Yes, which we both hated. We but, both I mean, disliked. I'm sure he, I mean, he's a great actor. A great actor. And I think we even said in our review we disliked the film, but he, he was mm. really, truly excellent in it. Yeah. As you mentioned, obviously, Adam Driver as well. I don't think we need to go through listing all the No. Games. Although I will he, say Max von Sydow. Uh, which <laughs> hey. I couldn't have been happier um, about. Although I'm worried, will he just will he be a villain? Will he just be almost certainly? <laughs> my friend and I were discussing the other day, uh, discussing this the other day, and my friend was desperately trying to find a way to phrase it that he could be kind of the uh, the patriarchal um, kind of protege, almost like of Obi Wan Kenobi, etc. Yeah, uh, but I was like, no, he's going to be a villain. He's definitely one going thought that to be ran through my mind very briefly upon seeing some photos of uh, of of him was yeah. that he may have been drafted in uh, to replace Alec Guinness as some kind of spectral <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. Possibly. There is a, there is a there slight is a, resemblance. There is a and if resemblance. they needed... They, they, you know, obviously, Alec Guinness isn't around and you can't really age up Ewan McGregor that, that But much. his voice, though, that malevolent oh, voice yeah. of his, it's so rich and brilliant. He's, he um, surely will be a Sith. Yeah, sure. Although, I mean, that, that feels a bit like they're just... I mean, that's Ian McDiarmid all over again. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just a, an, an elderly white man is the villain. <laughs> How yeah. progressive of you, Abrams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I'm so excited. And Hopefully I really want we'll to get know some more news. The... We have got May, May the 4th. Maybe there won't be anything that's start, no. the official Star Wars Day. We do have Comic-Con coming up. People are kind of hoping maybe we'll have uh, an episode title, at least. Yes. I know the first thing you said was you can't wait for the synopsis. I want the synopsis now. I... You know, this cast has you know, you know, whetted the appetite for, mm. for, for more stuff. And as you say, more casting news. I mean, these aren't going to be the only people in it. They must, and it, it's bound to be littered with tele, British television actors. When I first throughout. heard there was going to be another Star Wars film, I mean, you know, we are both mental Star Wars fans. I think it's safe to say. Yes. Um, I was slightly worried because it's one of those things. The the prequel trilogy was mostly dross, uh, <laughs> and you just are slightly worried that people are tampering almost with your childhood in an Inception esque way. That these people are going inside your mind, they're wrecking things that are so dear to you, which I think is why people are wary of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg these days because they do keep going yes. back to their old works. But seeing that photo and and uh, and seeing J.J. Abrams there and, and seeing it trending on Twitter, I'm excited in its most euphoric sense. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a, a single negative. I mean, obviously, apart from uh, a lot of people commenting on the lack of female yeah. uh, parts being uh, announced and the... Uh, um, the seemingly sort of token black actor. Yeah. Um, it does feel a bit like, okay, so, so Star Wars, the original Star Wars films were full of white men and 
you've cast a new Star Wars film. And thir- 30, 40 much. years later, yeah, they 30, 40 years later, men. it's full of white men. Uh, hopefully that will be remedied. We'll see. We'll see. There's still that's the great thing is that we're still only taking our very first steps on the road to to what will be a brand new trilogy, lest we forget. Yes. But Keep, all yeah. we want to do now is just uh, make sure that you go back onto the site. There's loads of cool stuff. One yes. room with a view dot com. Uh, get in touch with us. One room with a view show at gmail dot com. The Twitter is at one room with a view. That's numerical one. Dan is at Mr. Alton, M-I-S-T-E-R. I'm at yep. the press tonight. Uh, if you want to email us about anything, get in touch with us. We would love to hear mm. from oh, you. Oh, if you have any ideas for future challenges, please do uh, for Chris. <laughs> yeah. Please do get in touch. I've put myself in the crosshairs. You can watch all the Digimon movies next. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out in the podcast. <laughs> but uh, until two weeks' time, I think all that's left to say is we'll see you again soon. Yes, cheerio. You're listening to The One Room with a View Show with Christopher Preston and Dan Orton.